Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. Wow, what a like a, that's like a very NPR Well, I was just going to say, I was hope, I, I'm hoping to get picked up by, uh, I want Ira Glass to take note and I'm hoping, <laughs> hoping on this American on... life. Uh... <laughs> and the... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, oh, you, <laughs> you, were, you were flirting with it. I was flirting with it right there. <laughs> oh. You're a great Spaniard. And that makes but, me Vince Kochi. Yeah, that's that absolutely accurate, Vince. And uh, and this episode is a continuation of the series we have begun and we have sustained. And <laughs> this particular episode is episode one hundred and twenty-six. Yeah. And in and in this episode, Vince, we were talking about uh, beginning again. We're talking about um, sort of a fresh start, if you will. And a fresh perspective along with it. We were, of course, talking about restarting, and it's fitting that we have this sort of like academic uh, approach to the beginning of the show because in a lot of ways this was, I mean, restarting is something you obviously touch on in like the more pragmatic spheres of creative achievement, but we it was a very personal yeah episode and i cannot shout out to our guest enough for it yeah for for sharing it and that was josh joshua uh redshaw uh, of a new venture now uh which is pacific by northwest um and actually since the episode um ooh, spoiler alert we've uh we recorded this a little bit before we recorded this intro but uh we, we've been chatting with him about some projects which has been really cool with, with uh with that's a stock stuff but uh, I mean, yeah. What a what a generous dude to come on and and talk about some kind of intense personal subjects, including uh, you know some some failed business ventures and uh, and uh, sort of forthcoming divorce. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, that was my uh, reaction too, is to like chuckle defensively. But it was it, it's only because he was so just like bafflingly beautifully forthright with his feelings about it and it turned into a conversation that was super restorative for me at least um thank you joshua redshaw for for joining us and for doing the awesome work that you've done in the past on ventures gone by and now on pacific by northwest um and for joining us on the show obviously yeah uh, what a treat and I, and I love that term vince restorative i i i like I think of yoga or I think of like other activities that are fulfilling to me and I don't often think of that term but that is such a I mean even podcasting you know it's just like restorative things that restore like that's a phenomenal term um so thank you for that Vince uh and also thank you to Death to Stock which is uh, the entity of which I'm a part full disclosure uh and we're on a mission to kill stocks so uh the Dow Jones Industrial better watch the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, no, you, that, you're is, talking, of course, about stock was, photography. Yeah, yeah, stock photography, stock video, and uh, we're doing things a little bit differently, and um, and hopefully restoring your faith in humanity. I went for something there. It was okay. Yeah, I think you are. I mean, the the business model itself is great, and then the philosophy that you guys have is great. I know people who have used Death to Stock. I have browsed it. I don't really have that much occasion to, to use it per se, but uh, you guys are doing great work, and, and more than Thanks, the work that you're doing, it's like the, the approach, the mindset is it's the right one. That's how I feel, too. 
<sighs> fun app. Well, fun's the wrong word. Restorative app. Yeah, I mean, there were fun moments. He's a fun guy, but it, it was like very educational and yeah, it, it was, yeah, I'm, it was I'm restorative. Pic- I'm, picturing, I'm picturing you giving my eulogy, like <laughs> going, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a fun guy. There were fun moments, but uh, it was educational. Overall, <laughs> well, thank you, Joshua Redshaw for joining <laughs> us. Thank you, Death to Stock for sponsoring us. And thank you, listener, for listening. Hopefully you enjoy episode 126, Restarting. they're nice they're all nice folks though i shouldn't uh, there's no reason to complain besides that they were way better than us so is that really a reason to complain it does it it is when you're a petty man Vinny, Vinny, my dear boy grant my good friend but not great Mm, so I mean, doesn't that sound insincere at a certain point? Grant, my great friend. That's like very uh, hyperbolic, and it, the it, it really makes me think of a certain leader of ours in this nation. So I think good is both true and it's like stated with purpose. It's not overblown. You are a great friend, but I wouldn't say Grant, my my great, my excellent friend, right? Uh, man, you can really tell. Um, how insecure someone is about something the more they talk and you just rambled my friend listen if I'm not a great friend I'm not a great friend it is what it is what I was gonna well, all right. please Vince so. come on this is my time can you just ha- like, give me a second all right. I, I feel like I'm I was about to call it the innovator's dilemma which is maybe a real thing and I think I'm sort of pirating it uh, I was gonna say you know I've I've been innovating on my typical show starting. I've been snapping into it. I'm just like going for it. I see the throat and I strike. And I just ask yeah. you, I just ask you, you know, the typical question. Now though, I'm like, but that feels like I'm an innovator. I'm a born innovator, Vince. I, uh, I, I iterate. I, I see opportunity. I evolve. If you're comfortable, it's already too late. Exactly. And, and here I am. Um, sitting at the precipice of greatness, wondering to myself, how do I take it further? How do I innovate an innovation? Easily the most pompous beginning to a show we've ever had. (laughs) And Vince, is that not innovative in its own right? And so now, with that innovation already through, I ask you, Vince, what are you putting your time into? What are you working on? <laughs> wow. I, you know, I enjoyed that for the most part. Um, <laughs> I, not to, I don't want to be redundant not to, we, I just won't date the show. I won't do it. But I will tell you something weird and interesting that I just started work on today. All credit goes to my coworker and friend, Brenna Pileggi, who is a copywriter at Yamamoto as well. We have this uh, individual who has been tagging things in our neighborhood probably for a long time, but we've just started noticing it over the last few months. Uh, Banksy. And it's not Banksy. It's our very own version of Banksy, uh, who goes by the tag Scare. 
Maybe you've seen Scare, Minneapolis listeners. So we started a Scare Watch 2017 nice. website, and we are we coined ourselves Scare Force One, Jeez. and we were photographing different scare tags and geotagging them onto a map uh, with the photo as evidence. So I'm not sure when that will be up, but the the framework is in place already. Uh, so that's what I've been working uh, if on. If you end up being Scare, I feel like I'm gonna feel so. <laughs> betrayed <laughs> as poetic as that would be i i can't say that that's gonna happen uh grant what about you what are you putting your time into recently man i've said it before but I, i'm pretty focused on some pre-production stuff I, i've also been mixing a bunch lately um oh cool yes yeah, so i've been mixing a lot of music and uh, i've been pretty hyped on that feeling good maybe Feel maybe we'll li- maybe we'll link to uh to the mix i think the first mix i'll put out i, I promise that on another show this is a rare case where I feel like I've heard a few Vince promises and I never let let the opportunity go by to uh, criticize <laughs> to, you, <laughs> to, to chastise to you. To wound me appropriately for not following through. Uh, but in your defense, the promises you make on the show are either followed through with or so outlandish that no one would ever truly expect you to do it yeah. but this time i'm really looking forward to actually hearing it so i hope that cool. we do show uh, yes we we will we we truly will at this point excellent <sighs> and actually i will say i was putting some time into travel recently and i was up in portland where i saw our guest uh we did, hey. did a little bit of a co-working session that is awesome. I mean, I too was in Portland. I didn't get the pleasure of meeting the guest because I didn't know he existed until recently. Uh, but I'm glad I do now. <laughs> yeah, I just picture. I was. Try- I had a visual in my head of your horizons broadening, and I saw this sort of like <laughs> 360, like Minority Report version of Vince, like <laughs> as sunrises <laughs> replace my irises. <laughs> Uh, okay. But our guest is from Portland, is what you're saying, right? Well, our guest is currently in Portland and has a, a perhaps not Portland-specific company. It is based in Portland, but it is a Pacific Northwest uh, company, and that's tipping the hand quite a bit. I'll let him tell us more about that. Uh, you know, I, I crossed paths with this guy a few years ago now, and uh, he, he was always doing interesting stuff, and I never fully understood it, and I truly hope that that our, uh, our conversation will uh, illuminate some of that. I, I knew he was working in digital agencies. He was working on digital products uh, with big brands and, and with bigger companies and just doing cool stuff. But, um, yes, I, I would like to welcome Mr. Joshua Redshaw to the show. Hey, hey Josh. Hey, Josh. And uh, a little context, I guess, for people. You've been working in UX, in digital products for some time. You're now venturing out, uh, and uh, you, you have a new company that I'm sure we'll dig into a little bit more, but um, mm-hmm. yes. V- Vince, can I take this honor? I, I'm going to. I would, be, I would be honored for you to take the honor. Wow, what a treat. And Vince, uh, please, the honor is all mine. Um, <laughs> fuck, uh, Josh. What are you putting your time into? And can I call you Josh? Yeah, please call yes. me Josh. Okay, great. What are you putting your time into? What are you working on? Uh, lately, I've been spending almost every waking waking moment on um, Pacific by Northwest, which now the cat's fully out of the bag. But that's the name. Of I'm allergic my... to cats, Josh. Do your research. <laughs> um. Well, now the surprise has been ruined. So nice. that's okay. what I've been. <laughs> I hate on. surprises. Uh, so that's good. That's good. 
It's a studio. We're focused on experience uh, design and development, working with some really cool partners here in Portland and on some uh, really awesome projects. So uh, it takes a lot to start a new company. I'm really finding that out. So much paperwork. Oh, my God. Well, and, well yeah, I guess a lot of it's digital now, but just so much stuff. So many little oh, things. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like I have to imagine to be like building a house. Like, until you start building a house, let's say you've never built a house before, you don't realize how many fucking wires and, like, little things need to be plugged into each other. It's just, it, yeah, there are so many, so many little things. Whew. Yeah, you think you know. You're like, oh, yeah, I've lived in the house. Houses, I know them. Yeah, but, but then you get into it. The reality I've is, lived in them my whole life. So many, how hard can it be? So many employees and so many um, uh, people who work on brands and work in companies don't realize like the houses they're living in. You know, there there is so much infrastructure and so much stuff you don't have to deal with, and you can actually kind of be not not rude, but you can just be aloof from. You don't need to touch mm-hmm. it, and you're not expected to ever because of that infrastructure. But totally. when you're doing it on your own, it illustrates an important point is that like <laughs> you have to worry about so you're so inundated with things to worry about. And I'm sure you will talk about this, Joshua, but maybe to kick things off, you can talk about Pacific by Northwest. It is your latest venture mm-hmm. and it's it's cool. I've I'm only just beginning to be, get familiar with it. But we're going to talk about your path in a much greater context. But first things first, can you tell us about what it is and and what you're doing there? Yeah, so um, great friend of mine, uh, Mark Amon, and I decided to kind of go out on this path uh, about eight weeks ago. I know we're trying not to date the episode, but imagine, listener, in your mind, eight weeks ago (laughs) uh, that Huge closed their Portland office and... We were kind of sitting there uh, talking about, you know, what's the next step? And Mark and I had really been talking about going out on our own and starting our own thing and how we would how we would do it. And, you know, kind of got pushed out of the nest uh, and are just kind of learned to fly. Um, Fortunately, it's been one of those experiences where we're able to provide a lot of really valuable services to people around Portland and the rest of the Pacific Northwest and California. And it almost feels a little bit like cheating how easy it's been. Um, There's a lot of like pent up uh, desire to to work with us. And so that's been really humbling. Hmm. Um, But that doesn't make it any easier, I don't think. In fact, in many ways, it, it makes it a little bit harder because it seems to be so much on display to to the people who are putting uh, a lot of faith in us and hopefully it's not undeserved, but you know, we're, we've been really focusing on um, working with people to help bring their ideas into life. You know, that, that early stage idea development and really figuring out what it is that brands and, and companies should be building and then providing them you know, a platform to explore that. Uh, also, we've been working a lot with some partners here in Portland. Um, you guys know you've been here, but yeah, we, it's a very I mean, farmers we, market culture, right? We, we have a we have a history in Portland. You know, beyond just yeah. uh, both visiting there, we, we did. Uh, I think the the only real iteration of ten k. Wait, what do we got? Ten thousand miles. Ten thousand miles. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a series of episodes on the road. Um, 
wherein I went to Portland, and we recorded with, who do we have on? Evan Schneider. Uh, yes, Evan Schneider. We had Kate Bingaman, who Vince, I just reconnected with when I was in Portland. Um, oh, she randomly. is really great. Yeah, so lovely. Uh, Joel being friends. Uh, yes. And, and then, then, of course, OMFG Co., Fritz, and Jeremy. Yeah, uh, those guys are that's phenomenal. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, and of course, Adam. Fritz and Jeremy. Yeah, old, old Adam. Uh, not old Adam, excuse me. <laughs> Don't tell me I said that. I meant old <laughs> in terms of his relation to the show. Not, right, not right, 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 I mean, right. and you know, why such a stigma about age? And that's what we're talking about on today's episode. No, we're not. Yeah, Fritz and Jeremy. In a way, <laughs> though. We'll, we'll in show a notes. way, though, Grant, we are, right? <laughs> yeah. Because yes, we what are. we're talking about today is, and we're framing it in the context of this newest venture of yours joshua which is uh north by wait sorry pacific by northwest i'm screwing up that name but um it's actually a a riff on the old hitchcock so north by northwest yes of course obviously and an ad man fa- fa- finds himself in some precarious situations and has to make the best of it classic it's actually way smarter than I had imagined. I thought it just sounded cool and was about where you were. So, <laughs> exposed well, I mean, for my lack of referential it's knowledge. That too, but you know, <laughs> we saw the movie. We're like, oh, this perfectly fits. Both. Let's pretend it's the reason. <laughs> nice. Let's pretend that's the reason. <laughs> so true for so many projects. So true for so many. <laughs> Reverse yeah. engineering, um, like like ingenuity. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. So Joshua. We're excited because you, even very immediately within the last, just weeks, yeah. you had an ending that turned into a beginning, right? Yeah, absolutely. But that is something many of us, and you included, experience many times throughout our mm-hmm. careers, or just our artistic pursuits in general. Mm. Uh, so this week, we are talking about restarting. And Vin, which I mean, is... Yeah, yeah, please, please, please. We've we've talked about starting a project before, probably on several occasions, and we've talked about the next evolutionary step in a project on many occasions. But what we haven't talked about is the moment where the project ends and you must begin again, mm-hmm. sometimes because of reasons that are outside of your control. So maybe to get things started, you can talk about your history with restarting and I am privy to some information that knows you are qualified to talk about this. Uh, So I will let you riff on the idea as a kickoff to the topic. Sure. Um, I mean, not to, not to wax too philosophical on it. I think ultimately, you know, we're all kind of a culmination and, you know of our experiences and in a lot of ways like our my restarting story is like you said pretty much like everyone else's i've just experienced a lot of it through through my life i mean i've had over 40 different addresses uh i counted them up uh recently and i've realized that like literally i've lived in 40 different places with unique addresses um and that happened very early on and so you know my dad wasn't in the military he just himself was a military brat um, and decided to torture the rest of us with, you know, oh, you made some friends? We're leaving. Um, And I mean, I say that a little tongue in cheek, but uh, he was really good at his job. He was in consulting and and sales. And when he would get done with an engagement, you know, it was time for us to move. And so um, 
kind of that impermanence got pretty comfortable for me. And in, mm. in fact, for a lot of my life, I think when things got a little like too permanent, I would freak out and kind of tend to reject them. And, you know, I think it's no, it's no surprise that I ended up in the ad world, you know, working within, you know, a brand or on the corporate side, you know, you get to work on the same projects and actually see them through for years. And, you know, that's, that's something I have a little bit of envy on, but within the ad industry, you know, you're seeing a lot of different brands, a lot of different projects. And, and that had been part of the excitement um, for me. So I moved, I moved around a lot all over the United States. I lived abroad for a little bit during a study abroad. And I say lived abroad, which feels a little disingenuous, you know? Um, well, Vince loves me. to talk about his time in, in Germany. <laughs> And, I mean, it's true, and, but why, and he why makes, do I got to get hit with that like that? I hey mean, man, I, I do. I did live. I literally did live in Germany. I, I mean, but in your in the same way, it is disingenuous. I don't feel like I ever was a German, for instance. So I get what you're totally. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you're both liars. Totally. I'm so well, sorry. I mean, I'm so sorry. <laughs> one, one of the things I had thought about starting for a while, um, I mean... I don't know if we'll dig into this at all, but I went on a... Go a, now, a man. Round, the, t- time, round, the time is nigh. R- round the world trip. Um, oh, so yeah. I, I, Dude, this, this is totally relevant. And I've cut you off five times now, which is terrible. <laughs> but but when I when I met you, you were about to uh, head out on this, which I actually wanted to add as context. With the Seven Seas thing you were doing, yeah? Yeah, Seven Seas Okay, collective. please. T- tell us more about it, because I, I thought that was a fascinating project. So my fiance at the time and I had really been trying to figure out um, how to make this trip work. We we'd both wanted to go around the world and um, independently, and then we'd met each other, and it all kind of worked out. But, you know, you got to keep the bank account full. And so we tried to put together this kind of collective of freelancers where, you know, you it's actually kind of the inspiration for Pacific by Northwest in a lot of ways where you would pick the people who made sense for the project. Um, you know, a team of people who were just kind of uh, a bad word for Americans, but like a confederation, you know, there was no central power dictating <laughs> from the top and like in federalism for all you poly signers. Um, but together we could come together and, and form these little project teams. Um, in a lot of ways, I mean, that's kind of the whole farmer's market style that we're doing with Pacific by Northwest. Um, you know, we'll work with one partner or another, depending on the needs of the client. Mm-hmm. But at that time, uh, me and my, my fiance, uh, we decided to, to head out on the road and, and kind of work from wherever. And, and during this time, I kept a journal. I think I had always intended for it to be a um, like a blog. Uh, and the name I came up with was Culture Parrot because, you know, like like you said, Vince, you know, you lived in Germany, but you were never really German. You were just kind of there observing without a lot of the cultural context. And whenever you would tell anyone about like these things that you had experienced, like I, I stayed abroad in Prague uh, just next door, um, you know, they just wouldn't understand, you know, you, you almost felt like you were repeating things and experiences without the context of a person from there that could, could share it. And in a lot of ways, um, traveling around the world was a lot 
the same. You know, you would, you'd see these things, you'd be in these places, you'd have these experiences, but you would completely lack the context culturally, um, to be able to relate to it personally or explain it to others. Um, but you know, seven seas was actually able to kind of keep the coffers full enough where we could travel around and do kind of late night meetings in Vietnam or weird early morning meetings and, uh, other places. Um, Hmm. So it was a cool experience. Um, we tried to work as little as possible and do as much as we could. Uh, uh, I feel that. Mission I mean, accomplished. Let's go. Let's collective. I mean, there truly is the kind of the same idea, collective. I mean, and, and there is, uh, it, it does seem to be, man, I, I feel like I've come to terms more with some of that reality, which is like, if you want to be collective, it's hard. It really is a hard thing to keep uh, I know this is separate from the topic but it, but it is hard to like truly build then with people and to make a life of it I mean I, I, I've been working with ghostly ferns on a video project right now and I think they've done a nice job because they are so individualized and they kind of mm-hmm. really just come together to promote and create some cool stuff together but if you're if you're really like um, uh, pitting your business like your livelihood on the on that it's tough for the members I think most times not always but yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think that's one of the important lessons I've learned is, you know, when you find these partners, find people who are already like going out there and eating what they kill on their own. And when you come together, it's, it's not like a power differential. It's not like you're doing all the new business or they're doing all the new business, but you're both bringing to to the table a lot of skill sets that both people need josh would you say synergy um if i worked at a major corporation i think i might default (laughs) to that word if i can't come up with anything better uh you know what as someone who i mean i'm a writer as as my career so I, i do love words but i hate when a word dies an untimely death by association, especially with corporate jargon, synergy is a totally fine word. And oh yeah, and but it, you can't use it anymore because it makes you sound like a fucking a hole. <laughs> uh, I want to so quote you on just that just to, just to clarify, fucking is cool, but asshole. We're, we're gonna bleep. I said a, he said a hole, and hold on, here's the power you can, of words, you can right? Bleep this I thought it was post. funnier to say a hole because it <laughs> sounded like my my argument was gradually softening. Hey, which Vince, I, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and defend you in a rare case, but you're on our show right now, Josh. Okay. So don't you, don't you come at Vince like that. And and I would hope that you would defend your your partner, your business partner in the same way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lovely. I'm I'm sorry. So, so, so speed us up a little bit from there. So you, 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 uh, get out of, get out of no so seven seas how does that run its course do you where, where do you make land does the ship sink you know i i don't think it was like a matter of it ever really ending um yeah totally it just kind of away. didn't exist anymore one day um but it, you it, know, it, we we did the whole trip around the world uh we saw a lot of amazing stuff and went to a bunch of different places and ultimately i think it was an attempt to find out where it is that i belong or we belong or whatever and one of the things i think i took out of this lesson is you don't belong anywhere like you belong where you are mm-hmm. um 
that nothing out there external from you is going to really be enough. And so you just have to find that place within yourself. I Damn. mean, getting really freaking okay. heady. No, um, that, dude, I, th- I, th- I think especially now with social media, with like digital experiences and, and kind of the, the, the like pedestaling of oneself, you know, mm-hmm. the idealizing, it's... I I think I've come to similar conclusions about my own stuff. You know, it's just so easy to uh, to romanticize and to make make things seem amazing. The other, not not in the the negative sense, like the scary sense, but the other, like the grass is greener. Like mm-hmm. that is such a real thing, and sometimes you have to go halfway across the world or. <laughs> fully across but you know just to to realize how oh wait i'm here now and i'm still here and i'm the constant and if i'm not okay with me then like this place isn't okay either right totally and and that's kind of the place where i think i i arrived was you know sitting in honduras uh recovering from food poisoning from a crappy pizza on thanksgiving because a tropical storm hit and their refrigerators went out you know between bathroom episodes i'm like thinking what the hell am i doing here like why i just want to go home but the fact that i had 40 different addresses i mean should tell you enough that i don't have a home you know there's no hometown for me there's no group of friends back there um i just spent at that point almost 11 months on the road and i knew that well i'm a citizen of the world i'm not at home necessarily in it and so it was kind of this moment of well you know new zealand was awesome but it's not the place berlin was amazing but it's not the place. London was amazing, but I don't have that kind of money. And looking in the bank account and saying like, okay, I got enough to move back to Brooklyn for a little bit, like a little bit. I better figure my shit out real quick. Or, you know, I can head up to Portland where I had a bunch of friends and a bunch of fun. And when I was working on, uh, Audi with uh, AKQA. I was doing some consulting with them. Uh, headed up here for a weekend. It was raining and it was miserable. And it was January and no one should ever visit Portland in January unless they really love grunge music. Or they have a, a uh, lover there. Yeah, or a lover. <laughs> um, but so, something to wrap yourself in. I think that's why we have such an amazing, amazing beer culture here. Um, but I was like, Be- you know, the- beer, angry music, or lovers' warm embrace—the three things that you need. Check out our blog really- next week, man. <laughs> Uh, it was like a little bit of runway in yeah. in Brooklyn, or a lot, a lot, Dude, a bit that, more. Listen, in that, that is that is not what we're talking about exactly, but it is it is a factor in starting, in restarting, in decision making, which is resourcing. It it really yeah. it's mm. so so much of what we do, and so much of creativity. Truly, man, 
comes down to resourcing and under like we, we can sit here and like smash our heads against the wall trying to make something happen and let me give a very concrete example that i dealt with literally today which was I had some temp music in a cut, actually for Ghostly Ferns, and this is a very specific, a little too specific almost, but for a video that I'm doing with them right now. And I was on the line with uh, somebody who I, I have, have lined up to do some sound design and and what was maybe going to be original composition. And we're sitting there talking, and we realize like I don't, we don't need original composition, and not just in a in a, a sort of low-hanging... Well, I guess in a low-hanging fruit way, but not in a giving-up way. But it was just like, this is not the best use of our resources. Our resources are aimed at making this a great piece, and we're going to expend too much of them for a factor that is not actually that valuable in the final product. So th- that goes to, well, how much money do I have? Wh- like, what's the most important factor here? Is me existing and, like, living... And like, I'm the one who is able to output whatever. So if I can exist for less somewhere else, I should go do that. Oh, absolutely. And then now, so, now we'll drop, hold on. Our editor is going to drop in the, uh, <laughs> the, the theme music for Portlandia, which is, what is it? Uh, pair? No, it's washed out. Washed out. Yeah. Uh, great track. And we'll let that play for less that, than 15 I seconds. Would like, I do love that track, yeah. so I'd like to hear we'll, that all while that one. We'll let that play um, for less than 15 seconds so we don't get pulled down. Let's oh, call yeah. it maybe a hot 12. And go. <laughs> um, and we're back. I would uh, I would om- I would push back very lightly and say that and that is what we're talking about because correct me if I'm wrong and there there are maybe rosier more permanently positive ways to frame this but a restart means an end and it means there something it's and sometimes a restart is reserved for where something ran its natural course and you're beginning a new part of the adventure. But the re, the re in the name, not starting anew, makes it sound like something ended prematurely. So let's assume that's the case. That means there are like two major things that happen afterwards. There's the sort of emotional dealing with it, dealing with, mm-hmm. with what ended, pulling there, yourself and together. Honestly, there were there were supposed to be two more months on that trip around the world but honduras and uh you know pizza kind of brought it to a quick and and violent end (laughs) well i mean you're you're using very evocative terms which are making me react but in reality it's you know it is there's a somberness to it and maybe your way of dealing with it is is through sadness or maybe it's through pent-up frustration or maybe it's through some sort of like letting go zen moment but there's the emotional moment but then there's actually also the pragmatic moment the mechanics behind it Mm -hmm. what next steps do i need to take to make sure this setback isn't a put me under right totally so the compromises that we have to make emotionally and and mechanically to restart something are super pertinent because we, I think the, the funniest example, and oh, it's actually not funny at all, it's talking to people who are getting married and talking about prenuptial agreements, and they never plan for the worst case scenario. That's the thing. None of us ever want to admit that something might not go right. But in the end, 
something always does manage to go wrong. Maybe it's not in your marriage, maybe it's not in your career, but there you will suffer a setback. And being ready to move on and move through it, prepare for a worst case scenario is useful because since most of us don't, talking about it can be very helpful. And so that's why I'm excited to un- uncover not only some of the emotional ways that you have dealt with restarting, and it's not always like a grim picture. I don't mean to paint it like that, but also some of the actual practical, pragmatic ways that you've restarted. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're on to something perfect there. Um, you know, as, as Grant, you know, and mm-hmm. And, and Vince, we, we talked about just uh, just recently, I was in the process for the last two and a half years of trying to start a brewery down in Quito, Ecuador. And um, recently... Well, I didn't know it was in Ecuador. Yeah, I had, I had to put that on hold. Um, unfortunately, their economy is kind of going through some rough transitions, uh, put a little too much faith in the power of petroleum, uh, cost of a barrel of oil went kind of through the floor and their budgets that were pegged to that kind of suffered immensely. Um, and so their economy's in a rough spot and, and did some investigation and found out it wasn't the right way to go. Um, but in the process of starting that, me and my business partner were always really upfront about the whole idea of, you know, when starting a business, it's a lot like a marriage. You know, it's a lot of, about, you know, understanding what what are our, our shared values that we're bringing to the table. And most importantly, and I think with business and in marriage, um, what are the things that are kind of triggers for us to leave that partnership? You know, that's also an expression of values. Mm. There's positive values and negative values. And having that conversation up front, you know, we were building into our operating agreement those things which were like no-goes for us or those things like that were kind of scary to talk about in the event that one of us died, um, that whoever was our next of kin or named in our, our wills um, would be paid out immediately for that portion of the brewery because you don't want someone who wasn't invested into that business to own any amount of it. Same with things like divorce. You know, you don't want someone having a quarter of your company who is adversarial. And so these were automatic things that we're building into mm-hmm. an operating agreement. They're kind of like prenups. You know, you have to plan for the breakup. And, and sometimes things go really well, but you still break up. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone's like, okay, I've, I did the beer business. I've gotten out of it what I want. And um, I'm moving on to other things. How do you how do you structure a deal to make sure everyone's made whole in the end? T- totally. And this is something I went through even with debt to stock stuff. And what I realized in that process is that ha- just confronting those issues, I, I I mean, of course, there are legitimate legal ramifications and, and those situations do arise and, and there are actual events that that it's helpful for. But for me, at least at this point, just going through those exercises really reveals a lot of where all parties are at in a really productive, healthy way. And so in that way, it's way, way less about the prenup. It's way, way less about even the details of the operating agreement. It's more about just like connecting on and not in a foofy way in a, a very real way these are these are this is where i'm at and i just feel like you would just like understand people way more why did you get the fuck out of here with those laughs, <laughs> i'm just laughing because by foofy you mean like 
over like candy coated type. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, is that is that maybe a, yeah. a politically incorrect term now? No, I don't think "foofy" is a is any sort of term. Okay, <laughs> so, sorry. I was just laughing because it it was funny to me. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. I, th- I thought maybe it was like place. problematic at this. Uh, a lot of problematic terms these days, and sometimes they sneak up on you. The the only other place I've ever heard the word "foofy" is uh, my aunt gave oh, all of, all of the nieces and nephews a little lambskin when they were born, uh, and my. <sighs> Brothers and sisters called it a foofy. What? <laughs> so what stop. A, what a strange, what a strange tradition. Uh, yeah. Or maybe it's not. Maybe that is like, maybe that's myopic of me to say that that's a strange tradition. But oh, they're super I didn't soft. Get Babies love it. I feel the same way about the word. Yeah. Yeah. Foofy. The phrase. Uh, yeah. It was a, I think. It's positive. It sounds positive. So. I'm, I'm. I don't want to paint you, Joshua, as someone who's like an expert at restarting because that I think that is unfair. In fact, we all do many more restarts than even we realize mm-hmm. throughout the courses of our careers and our lives. But as someone who's done it on a on a career level multiple times, maybe you could lend some insight. What sort of things do you look for when transitioning? What are some of your tips? I mean, not to be buzzwordy about it, but for people who are in a period of transition, how to make that smooth, how to make that productive, how to make that positive. I I mean, I think the first thing to accept is it's never going to be smooth. It's going to be painful (laughs) and um, you got to get comfortable with that. And ultimately, I think when we're asking ourselves what it is that we actually want to do, which I think restarting is really all about, it's not about what we want um, and this is a lesson that was kind of made crystal clear for me in a book I recently read, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, by I think Mark <laughs> Mark Manson. Um, but it's it's not about what you're what you want; it's what you're willing to suffer to get there. You know, it's it's all about the journey. And I think once you kind of realize what you truly value, um, you're willing to suffer for it. Because you know the destination um, that you're going to reach. And if you have a destination in your mind, and this is something that I've kind of had to come to terms with. If you have a destination in your mind and you kind of start down that road and it's a slog and you just hate it and you kind of want to give up, like, don't be too proud to not give up. That's not to say when something's hard, just give up, but really ask yourself if you're willing to continue to suffer this in order to get mm. what's on the other side of it. <laughs> if it's never been Ooh. easy at that point, like it might not be. Cause I, I feel like with projects or with anything, at least the beginning is seductive, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I, I, excitement. I, yeah. And I, I guess maybe it's less likely that someone would be starting down that path, but some people truly are like not even excited by the by any level of the actuality. They are excited about the idea of the actuality. I mean, that's classic, but really, even in the beginning. And yeah, man, sometimes it's like, wow, what a, what a freeing feeling it must be. And it is, I know, to just let go of it. Totally. I, 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 I think 
letting go is half the part of restarting because when you're restarting you're in this moment of infinite possibility and it's only through like closing certain doors that you're able to focus your energy on those things you actually want to be doing Mm, but isn't that the hardest part also joshua we are i mean not to paint with the millennial brush or whatever. I think this is actually a human You've truth. You've been a real painter that, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that transcends uh, multiple generations. But uh, maybe I'm speaking personally. But there's a fear of of missing out. Of Fuck yeah, it, fear you're gonna of miss closing out a door prematurely. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to. It's, you're going to close doors pre- prematurely. But it, you can't be everything to everyone. I, I mean, it reminds me of... This moment in, uh, I think it was junior year of high school, like I had an economics way teacher. Back. Oh, yeah, way back. We're, we're all the way back to Littleton, Colorado. Um, <laughs> and it was a, a lesson on absolute advantage versus comparative advantage. Um, you know, it, is, is it worth it to give everything your best effort? And of course, you know, the Puritan spirit of America says, yes, give it your best effort. But economics says, no, because you only have so much effort to give. So you need to focus on those things which give you the best absolute or comparative advantage. You know, really wonky way to say, like, if something isn't going to pan out for you or you're not passionate about it, like, close that door. Yeah, you're closing it early. But by closing that, you know, knowing what you're not going to do is almost a way to figure out what you mm. actually want to do. Constraints, guardrails, yeah. Right. Ooh, Vin, I actually mm. feel like Loki, yeah. Loki, this, uh, I don't want to get too deep into this, but, you know, we've talked about a few uh, waves of the show, a few kind of um, ideas that have been really sticky that we've we've explored quite a bit. Um, whether that was, mm, Vince, what, what were, what, what was season one? Season one was all about self-awareness, self-awareness Grant. season two was, it, was see or was it more of a season three where we hit self-definition? That's it was season. Yeah. It was the beginning of season three. Okay. So it's something that has been really, truly sticking with me and I, and I feel like maybe we'll explore this in the next host but it has been this idea that you can't have it all. <laughs> like it really like you know as multi-hyphenate and let's let's truly dig into that more later but that is what it is like that that we're talking about right now which is you can't keep every fucking door open you can't spin every plate and there are real real <laughs> there's so much value to i mean not for me it's never going to be one plate but really just like some of these plates are going to break anyway just smash them man mm-hmm Wow, I'm, and it, it's like, and there's no easier way to do it than to just realize that it needs to be done. But that's that's very scary. Sometimes even scarier than starting something is like ending something. Oh yeah, especially if it's something you've been doing for a long time. Well, especially uh, there, there's that sunk cost fallacy, sunk right? Cost totally. There's man. that pot committed, pot committed mentality. I mean, pot, pot committed. committed. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that, that so That money's hard. not yours. Pot committed is something I think of so much. I mean, that really is, how, how, uh, yeah, that uh, it's a, it's a, for those who aren't aware, that's a poker, I was going to say allegory, is it an allegory? A poker metaphor. It's a poker sure, metaphor. Sure, yeah, it's, it's all true. It's, yes, it's, it's essentially the point at which 
uh, let's say you're betting, and let's just for our for our arguments, uh, for our metaphors' sake, uh, it's you and one other person, and you have been betting so much, and at a certain point, you have bet. Uh, so much of your total uh, amount in that you have, let's say you have a million dollars. Let's say you've you've now bet nine hundred thousand dollars, and so you only have a hundred thousand left at that point to fold. So they go all in. The idea of folding at that point seems crazy because you're so pot committed. But I do think I do think maybe this is something uh, relevant to starting over, or restarting, which is. You might be pot committed, and it, it it might even be statistically better to go all in at that point. But life is not poker, and I do think sometimes like not going all in and and actually just recognizing you are because because life isn't like poker. It it doesn't matter if you win. Like like there is maybe no winning that hand, and so letting go of whatever you've bet at that point and just realizing like oh. I can just play a different game. I think maybe that's the point you could get to, which is, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take these chips and I'm going to go do something else. (laughs) $100,000 buys a lot of Plinko chips. (laughs) Yeah, man. Or go fucking invent your own game. Like $100,000 gets you infinitely farther than $0 when inventing your own game, which is really what a lot of people want to do. Right, and in a lot of these poker tournaments, you can't walk away from the table, but in life, you really can. Yes, only one person wins. You know, maybe there's like but a everyone bad. can win, or and most of us can win. Maybe, um, I mean, or if you take the Fight Club philosophy on a long enough timeline, the survival rate for anyone drops is to zero. zero. Oh, this is. I mean, care, wow, careful, he knows Josh. to quote Fight Club. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a fucking Chuck head, and I I swore there only to to make clear like how uh, into Chuck Palahniuk I am, and I've quoted that so many times. Uh, and actually, actually, Josh, can I bring us back? I feel like I may have even mentioned this when we when we first talked when you were in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. I was saying, I think I might have mentioned being a, a Polonic fan who, who, who mm-hmm. lives in Portland. Um, in my book, which is not here, sadly, I looked I looked over my shoulder, but I'm not in my full studio right now because I'm sort of in that temporary, that interstitial liminal phase. But. Uh, in my book, Pygmy, which I did not very much like, a book he wrote, but I love Chuck. But he wrote, uh, he signed it, and he wrote, uh, only after resurrection can Ernest fuck me. Go! Editor, cut that out. No, don't cut it out. <laughs> only after disaster can we be resurrected, is what he wrote in my book. Right. And, and isn't that the truth, <sighs> man? So maybe actually he's advocating more for an all-in approach. But it, it really is like... Man, once once you're wrecked, once you've lost what you think you, uh, really, it, so much of it is perception. That's the thing about pot commitment. Like, like now bridging away from poker, we think of so many things as like investments, as like bets we've made. And at the end of the day, like you can fucking step away from so much of that i mean i i struggle with this myself like feeling like oh i've I've invested so much time so much energy in x and x and x and like oh i need to like but at the like you have the power to just take a step back and go oh that isn't important because i decide what's important like and if that isn't important to me then it isn't and so in that way you can kind of create your own disaster and and resurrect yourself but really like after disaster that is when you see how much potential there is all around you at all times 
Right. And I mean, uh, you know, personally, in the last five, six months, I lost the brewery. I went through a divorce and then they shut the office. And I mean, you want to talk about like having nothing left but your health. Like I I was sitting there. But one of the things I realized is, you know, every morning you wake up and and maybe to continue the poker analogy a little too far, but like (laughs) someone hands you another stack of chips, like you're you're never completely out of it until you're out of it. And so, you know, you can sit and wallow in self-pity, but that doesn't do anything but keep you exactly where you are. And, you know, there's some time that you need to take to really contemplate what it is you want to do. And you need to shut down those things and walk away from those things that you don't want to do. But yeah, man, you know, eventually, hopefully you find yourself in a, a place that is much better for you in terms of the kind of life that you hope to, to lead because, you know, through this entire process, you know, moving all the time and, and starting over. I mean, I'm, I moved to New York. I, I was with uh, this excellent agency, Space 150. I went to Huge. I quit Huge, went on to do my own thing and, and did consulting for a while and then went on the trip and then went back to Huge somehow. They got me back, put their hooks back in me and then worked at Huge King Coil, um, <laughs> which then turned back into Huge after Ian and Dwayne left. You know, I, I've I've watched all of these changes happen, and ultimately, I've come to the conclusion that a you can stay in things way longer than you need to. Um, I wasn't happy for a very long time uh, after Ian and Dwayne left, but I, I stayed. You know, to kind of like, well, you know, we'll see what happens. No one's gonna no one's gonna make these things happen for you. You got to make it happen yourself. Um, isn't that true and i think like i'm so glad you said that like you don't have this sixth sense of when it's the perfect time to leave an opportunity like that's the idea that's what we're trying to sell is that it's never too late grant you said that phrase to me at the like pre this episode while we were talking Mm, about the context of it like here's you always have the chance to to like cut bait if it's not working out for you you always have the chance to to have a new start and i think that's the optimistic and and empowering flip side of of the restart is that even if you're committed even if you're a long way down the road you can always take the next offer totally there's no more addictive substance on the planet than a paycheck man but true well well, speaking of addictive substances, debatably, uh, I think it's a good time for our off-topic topic grant. Uh, I couldn't agree. Well, I hate the term I couldn't agree more because it just, I, uh, I, the not the degenerate in me, but maybe the degenerate in me <laughs> just just here's here's something like that and says fuck you like maybe you could like I don't believe you. So I, I could agree more and... Uh, this week's off-topic topic is very much Portland-inspired, and uh, I feel like we haven't really talked about it on the show, have we? And I'm so sorry, Josh, if we're putting you in a weird position, but it's really not that weird because weed is legal in Portland. I mean, ostensibly. It's true, all of Oregon. Yes, lovely. Okay, so 
I, I mean, I guess technically it is, uh, it's kind of on its way in LA. I mean, it's such a funny, or I mean, in Cal- <laughs> I'm so city centric in California uh, and in Oregon, but it, um, something I appreciate about Portland, although I appreciate less than Denver or again, okay, but Colorado, uh, Colorado's a bit further along with like the legalization of marijuana, but I just really appreciate that in in Oregon and when I visit Portland, I'm like, oh sweet, I can just like pop in. And I am a fan of. I'm really not that great at smoking weed. I I think we might have mentioned this last time we talked, but I do like edibles quite a bit. So this oh, yeah. week's off topic topic is the Danks. And we'll probably drop in some crazy, like, Snoop Dogg <laughs> music. crazy Just oh, I can't yes. um, Yeah, the, mar- the marijuanas. Um, do you partake in this particular indulgence, Joshua? I, I do, but uh, similar to Grant, I'm not a big smoker. So I'm into mm. the edibles and into the CO2 extracts. CO2 extracts? Um, oh, CBD? CO2. Uh, CO- CO2 extracts. So, what is like, that? Um... It's like a vape pen, like we oh, get okay. a doo doo vape, but mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and we'll show notes. A really meme. good vape meme, yeah, oh, so like, for sure. Uh, and actually, um, I mean, you know, Jeremy and Fritz over at OMFG Co. They recently did a redesign, or not a redesign, because I guess it's brand new. But Sarah, it's a, this amazing weed shop here in Portland mm. that doesn't make you feel like you're in a weed shop. So no Bob Marley, no red, yellow, green. Uh, it actually feels like a high end retailer. Uh, but they also create is their one own. love playing on the radio. Yeah, constantly. It's be. <laughs> I mean, it feels totally <laughs> off in the space. But they actually uh, designed. Uh, a piece uh, a vape pen for single time use that's really aimed at like that tourist who's coming for the first time and wants to try it out but yeah they've been doing amazing shit in the space cool man I love that. Oh, it's very cool. We're actually living, and I'm not like a marijuana enthusiast by any means. I'm maybe like a once a month or even less frequently user, but um, it's so cool to live at the end of marijuana prohibition in this country because we get to see what sort of innovation on a super consumable uh, scale is like. Yeah, mm-hmm. what is what a strange opportunity so many businesses have in innovating in this space. Yeah, I did. I do you remember that high simple branding I did, Vince? I, I sure do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. I, I was working with those guys for a while. I mean, I was they were always high during our meetings, and I we didn't really work that well together. But I did some really nice branding for uh, uh, what is God damn it? What is the technology they did? It's it's like a oil extraction device. Yeah. <laughs> I can't oh, help like you. The, the centrifuges? <laughs> yeah, and it would... Yeah, they would, like, heat it up. And mm-hmm. I guess this speaks a lot to my knowledge of the product and my branding. But it seemed fun. It was good. <laughs> y- you know, I think um, one of the most interesting things is whenever I'm at a dispensary here in Portland, every single time, Every single time, like, there's, like, one of those dudes who's been smoking since junior high, and 
he totally fits the stereotype, got the dreads and the Jankos, and he's going to go out and he's going to play hacky sack. And then there's Jenko jeans, Jenko jeans. He still, he still got them. Um, <laughs> but then after that comes in like an older couple and they're all about like, well, we've never done this before. So can you give us the, the lowdown? And <laughs> just the fact that like, you know, three in a row, you got like stereotypical and then there's me. I mean, I look like I just live in Portland or whatever, but I had the beard before I moved here. Uh, That's my favorite guest self-description of all time. I'm the guy that just looks like I live in Portland or whatever. Totally. I mean, go go where you fit, right? And then grandma and grandpa are right there behind me. Uh, it's, yeah. it's showing that it's such a... Uh, I don't understand why... It, was prohibited for so long yeah. and it does so little harm. It's, it's great to see a little bit of movement. Let's hope that Jeff Sessions doesn't get a wild hair up his ass. A wild hair. Ooh, we'll get danger of getting political, but I think honestly the momentum is there. It'll be tough to reverse mm-hmm. what we've got going on right now. Um, I mean, I shouldn't speak too fucking soon, I guess, but it it is cool. And what I, what I like to see is the normalization of the culture. Mm -hmm. I think like all in groups, especially ones that deal with things that are maybe slightly taboo or, I mean, in some parts of this country, it's not slightly taboo. It's very taboo. Uh, There can be real sort of in grouping, uh, real gatekeeping. Yeah, and I feel like that was certainly so true. Of, I mean, it's of just weed culture. Yeah, it's just it's destructive for pretty much all parties. I mean, of course there are. Um, you know, it it does depend on what the thing we're talking about, but especially for that. And I mean, for a recent guest, we were talking about like sex, and we we're talking about like se- protection, and that's the, it's the same sort of stuff. It's like this is not productive for almost all parties involved <laughs> the sort of like taboo culture around any of this yeah you just gotta gotta own it gotta admit that it exists and do what you need to to do it the right way right yeah i mean yeah as long as it's after marriage and also as long as like it's producing I'm, children yeah as long as you're having kids and <laughs> yeah that's like, right no but i mean that's kind of true right watching the fight over whether incremental steps are better than like massive overhauling progress it's it's just a privilege as someone who is interested in that sort of legal policy type of spin on it to witness the fall of such a legal institution being a prohibition of one of the most widely used against the law substances in the country. Very, very interesting. The the thing that surprises me the most um, is the fact that the use of marijuana in the United States is so high compared to places like the Netherlands or even Portugal who decriminalized all drugs. You know, it's, it's almost like the economics of prohibition creates this mystique around these things. And they're like, once you actually get a chance to try it, you're like, Oh, but that's it. That that's what we've been protecting. Maybe being super mellow. Maybe we should, maybe we should hope that it stays criminalized so that we don't lose that high. <laughs> the meta high the to the actual high, high. right? Uh, Ten thousand dollars well. exclusive. <laughs> uh, Joshua, this has been 
an illuminating conversation. Honestly, the generosity and vulnerability with which you shared your your personal story and your insights about the process on a personal and professional level have been just a delight to listen to and I think will be really useful to our listeners as well. And I know I'll take them to heart as well. So um, thank you for joining us. Thanks yeah. for having me. Um, if you would jump us back into a sort of <laughs> start, let's, final. Let's start the restart, Ben. That's right. Restart the topic. And uh, sure. I've got a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind answering. The first one, hopefully easy. Uh, how can our listeners support you? How can they support me? Um, Patreon.com slash. I mean, you, you can find us at pxnw.co if you have people who are looking to do awesome stuff and need some help. Uh, we're always down to chat. Or if you're just looking to collaborate or chat, we're also down to do that. I mean, honestly, the best thing that they can do to, to support me and, and speak directly to the listener you can do to support me is like, make sure that you take the time to take the step back in your life to understand what it is you actually want to do with it. You know, don't let yourself be a victim of circumstance. You know, it's, it's all decisions we make. Hmm. I, man, that's a, a plus that that's similar to like thoughts we've expressed. On, no, I mean, it, it's similar in my head of the idea of like being selfish and like if you if you start framing it in that way like i i actually think a, i don't know when when we talk about the poker stuff the pot committed it's like at a certain point like you can just step back and it's like if you just keep pushing on stuff you don't care about you're being actually a little bit selfish because if you have a lot to give if you have if, if you have anything to give like take a step back you know don't barrel forward like you can restart Totally. And I, I mean, to be honest, one of the things that's helped me the most in this whole process is therapy and meditation, you know, yeah. just the opportunity to, to talk with someone and just kind of work through it in a non-judgmental way. I mean, friends are great to talk to, but they're biased. They're on your side. And sometimes you're being a moron. So having someone to reflect that back <laughs> on you is, is great. And then the chance to just be, be mindful, um, you know, I, I think we can find ourselves in this situation where we're so focused on the past and we're letting it define our future or so concerned with the future that we're letting it define our, define our present that we don't actually come to the realization that neither the past nor the future are happening, that the only thing that is happening is right now and you have a choice of how to play, play the chips you have in your hand. Um, like, forget the pot. You got what you got, and to use it, you just have to look at where you want to go. Ooh, and also, Yikes. pot. I mean, that's, uh, we yeah. got to connect that back, right? <laughs> so, I don't so know, every insightful guest comment should come with like a cheap pun tagged on the end. Uh, <laughs> you, you've already done it so i mean this is the problem when you guests have these generous insightful answers to that first question is i still have to ask the second question well, that, honestly that's mm-hmm. why i cut him down at the end you know that's why I, <laughs> that's good you know that's you looking out for me grant actually so i appreciate that um you're, hey you're a great friend vince <laughs> you're the greatest friend grant uh how <laughs> i'm now i don't even have the question right if you would want our listeners to take one thing away 
Joshua, from your time on the show, what would you want that to be? Ooh. Um... I can sense the trepidation because you got so legitimately profound in that last bit, and it was lovely. And now, man, we got an uphill battle. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, I'm spent. Like, I got nothing. Um, (laughs) No, like, you know, I think it's really easy to look at our situations and, you know, a lot of us come from places where, we get help from people, whether that's financial or spiritual or, you know, socially, but they're not the ones who are living it. Right. You know, I, I think that what I've really had to learn is that I'm the only one who's going to have to live my with myself at the end of this. Can I do that again? I'm the only one who will have to live with myself at the end of this. It doesn't matter the expectations that have been thrust upon you. You have to make sure that what you're doing is going to be right for you, not right mm-hmm. for what people expect out of you or not right for what society expects out of you. And sometimes it's really hard to know what that is. But I think going back to the whole idea of like closing down possibility, it's not a bad thing to close those doors. It's so empowering because it actually lets you focus your efforts where they belong. I mean, a really stupid horticultural example is I'm growing hops in my backyard because I homebrew, um, which I was doing to, to for research and development for the brewery. But you know, when it starts coming up, and I just did this a couple of days ago, uh, it's spring, listener, if it's not spring, pretend it's spring. Um, <laughs> nice, nice. Like, That's but, excellent. Yeah, thank you, by the way. Seven vines were coming up out of this root system, and you have to look at which one is the strongest and cut all of them back except for that one, because mm-hmm. you want the plant's energy going into that single vine so that it it actually flowers. Otherwise it'll spend all of its energy producing longer vines and shitty flowers and you're after the flowers. And so in, in a lot of ways, you know, when they closed the office and Mark and I were sitting there and having beers and trying to think about what, what was next, it was kind of this process of like looking at all of the paths in front of us and to the best of our ability, Mm. being able to say, which, which one is the one we want to go down? And and even so, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the strongest path. It just has to be the one you want to go down. And mm-hmm. even if you pick it, you're not committed to it. So close possibility often yeah. and just be cool with that. Totally, man. Wow. That's momentum. I like how he said that he was, like, out of gas and then he comes up with this really insightful personal metaphor totally. and wraps the shows yeah. up perfectly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, great. A, a plus. Th- thank you. Thank you. you. You actually, you reframed a little bit of it for me, and you, you really brought to mind, uh, uh, like, a Seth Godin quote that we've said 12 times, Vince. Uh, the one where he's... Where he's <laughs> Ad infinitum. Yeah, yeah. Where, where he's, t- he's just talking about how uh, no one in your life is going to tell you to do something that's never been done before because there is no, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but there is no construct for that. And so why would they tell you to do that? Because if it had been done before, then it wouldn't be unique. It wouldn't be original. And, and the other thing that was really helpful for me and what you said is, is 
you 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 made me rethink about pot committed as debt and like it's not like this idea of pot commitment it it it's so easy to get caught up in this trap of thinking like you're indebted to not just yourself for putting in energy time money or actual money from people and i've heard that on a lot of a lot of episodes of um how did uh how i built this it's like a startup podcast but uh it's just the idea of like needing to pay your investors back and not that you should be you know flippant with that but getting too caught up in the idea of debt and not not really investing yourself in a way that is better for you and for everyone else you know that's i i applaud you for doing that so thank you josh for for finding that and and uh, recognizing that in yourself and and man just like making shit happen Absolutely. You got to be the best version of you to be the best version for them, right? Wow. And and, uh, and go go to our shop and buy that (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. It'll be right next to the one with our catchphrase on it, which is ship it. We would love for you, Joshua, to put the cherry on top of the true Sunday of an episode that it's been. Uh, even though it's now fully day at the show, it's a it's a Thursday. Uh, could you give us a sign off, Joshua Redshaw? Ship it for us. Ship it. Love. Wait, it. was that it? No, do I need to? Do yeah, a that's it. One? You oh, did it. Yeah, oh, yeah. You no, nailed I, it. I shipped it, and then I was like, "Did I ship it?" <laughs> yeah. I shipped it. That, it yeah, sort of like you, well, a, yeah. Then you talked about shipping it. It's like an unsatisfying hey guys, see end that? for a lot of people. I, uh, I shipped it. It's like, Jesus Christ, did I just shit? Oh, God, I just shifted. <laughs> Wait, is that uh, it? Yeah, a lot of build up and then. 